Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Father, we come tonight, Lord, to thank you for your goodness, to thank you for your blessings upon us, Father. Lord, we stand tonight knowing that without you, Father, your word says, God, in Psalm 124, God, if it had not been for the Lord on our side. And Father, tonight, God, I thank you that you are on our side, and I thank you, Father, for your grace and mercy. So, Father, as we begin this service tonight, Lord, I, I thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for the classes that are taking place in the back, Father. We just pray, God, over every aspect of, of this night, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and speaking tonight. God, thank you that you will bring uh, conviction, you will bring hope, you will bring peace and joy. And Lord, tonight, thank you for the power of your word. Thank you for those that have uh, prepared food for us tonight. We ask you to bless the food. Lord, we thank you that it's sanctified by your word and by prayer. So Lord, we just pray that you'd bless to nourish and strengthen our bodies. And we'll give you the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Amen. All right. Go ahead and just help yourself to some food. As soon as you get, get your plates done, we'll get started.
All right, while everybody's getting their uh, plates, uh, just want to refresh your uh, minds on some upcoming things, um, especially coming up uh, October 18th. That's the third Wednesday night in October. Uh, we're going to start doing revival nights on the third Wednesday of each month. And so uh, this is coming up in October, October 18th. We'll have Adam Field will be back with us. Uh, some of you might, might remember Brother Adam and a powerful, powerful evangelist. And so he'll be with us on October 18th. And then I think it's November 15th, we'll have uh, Johnny Jernigan be back with us for our revival night. And so we'll skip in December and pick back up in January or so. So I'm really excited about uh, these revival nights. Uh, I'm just believing that God's it's really going to do some, some powerful things in that and through that. So just keep that in your prayers. Um, and so um, also be uh, in prayer. Uh, we're trying to get some things together if I can ever get everybody together. Uh, we're trying to put some things together to be able to get into uh, Atmore, Monroeville, uh, Bruton, those areas in the, in the cities and do some ministry. So uh, trying to get set up uh, in Monroeville to um, be on the courthouse steps with some ministry up there. So um, we're excited about that. So be praying about it. Also be praying about Sunday morning. Just believing God's going to move in our Sunday morning service. All right? <clears throat> All right. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles, if you if you got your Bible or if you got your iPhone or your iPad or whatever you got. It's got a Bible on it. Uh, and turn with me, please, to the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. I want to uh, talk tonight on the subject of breaking the stronghold of anxiety. Breaking the stronghold of anxiety. Any of you ever have problems with anxiety? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, that's what we're going to talk about. And you know, many times anxiety can come uh, from a traumatic experience or something that, uh, that people experienced years ago, periods of great stress and struggle in their lives. And, and so these things and these happenings or these events in, in people's lives can sometimes get so deeply ingrained in their mind and in their spirit uh, so that the stress and worry and, and fear, certain things become a trigger that will trigger that person back. They'll begin to think back on that traumatic experience or something. And, uh, and then that gives way to a, uh, an anxiety attack or a panic attack. Uh, and so <clears throat> the Lord uh, <clears throat> has been dealing with me about this for several weeks, I guess, and uh, so we want to look at it tonight, and uh, in Matthew chapter six, in verse twenty, beginning with verse twenty-five, Jesus 
is talking about in this passage of scripture and to, to put it all in perspective Jesus is saying do not worry do not worry alright so let's read this starting in verse 25 <clears throat> therefore I tell you do not be anxious the word anxious is and I'm, I'm this is the English Standard Version uh, King James Version uses the phrase take no thought uh, the New King James Version says do not worry but the English Standard Version uh, rendering of it is do not be anxious so everywhere you see do not be anxious in this passage uh, you know that he's saying do not worry uh, or take no thought and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. He said, Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious... Are worrying or taking thought can add a single hour to his span of life and why and why are you anxious about clothing consider the lilies of the field how they grow they neither toil nor spin yet I tell you even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father... <clears throat> knows that you need them all but seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow in other words don't worry about tomorrow don't take a second thought about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day is its own trouble I want you to notice <clears throat> verse 33, <clears throat> that after Jesus has, has gone through talking about do not worry, don't take any thought for these things, clothes, don't take any thoughts uh, for, uh, about your body, don't take any thoughts about what you're gonna, uh, how you're going to make it. And he gives the example of, of the birds of the air and how God takes care of them. Talks about the flowers of the field and how God provides for them and sustains them. And he goes through all of that stuff about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, and all of that, what you're going to wear. And then he says in verse 33, he says, But seek ye first the kingdom of of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you so what he what I believe that happens right there 
is that Jesus establishes the right priority. So one of the things about anxiety, <clears throat> stress, and worry is that many times we get our priorities out of order. Now listen, I want to say this right off the bat. I realize that there are people that, that struggle with anxiety, and I realize that there, there's times that you need to go uh, and, and find a doctor uh, that can help you uh, work through this. I understand that, and I'm not down in that. Uh, God uses uh, healing in many different ways, so I'm not downing that. But I, what I'm saying tonight is that I believe, I believe that a big majority of anxiety attacks and anxiety problems is, is just simple things. It's not simple to the one that's dealing with it, but it's, it's things that when we get our priorities straight, when we get lined up with God and understand some precepts and, and principles of God's word, it will bring healing to our mind. All right? So if you, if you look at the word anxiety, it has seven letters in it. A-N-X-I-E-T-Y. All right? But I want you to notice the letter in the middle. The letter in the middle is I. All right? So I am a big part and have a big part to play in anxiety, in my anxiety, all right? So I, wanted, I want you to notice that because I is the one that, that is the hinge uh, in the middle of anxiety. You're the hinge in the middle of what's going on in your mind. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out to you, all right? <clears throat> so as I, as I told you, a little while ago, the King James Version says, take no thought about what you're going to wear. Take no thought about tomorrow. And the New King James Version says, do not worry. Do not worry about what you're going to wear. Do not worry about these things uh, that, that are coming uh, tomorrow. Don't worry about things that you can't control. And the reason I wanted to bring that out is that whether you use the word anxious or whether you use the word worry or whether you use the phrase take no thought, it lets us know that anxiety is a, is a situation that takes place right here in your mind. When it says don't worry, it takes place in your mind. When it says take no thought, it takes place in your mind. And anxiousness or anxiety takes place right up here. So if you're wondering and thinking about what can I do to deal with anxiety, then we understand that, that we've got to do something to, to deal with what's going on in our mind. Isn't that right? All right, so, so <clears throat> these words are, are directly tied to the mind. And if you look up the word worry uh, that's used in the New King. New King James Version, uh, and you study that word in Matthew 6, 25. Actually, and, and by the way, it's used six times in these scriptures that we just read. 
the word worry or anxious or take no thought. But if you define that, it means to divide into parts. All right? It is suggestive of a distraction, a preoccupation with things that cause stress and pressure. Let me say that again because it's, it's, it's going to come into play in a little bit. So if you get the definition of the word worry, it means this. It means, remember we're talking about the mind, it means to divide into parts. So we could stop right there and say one of the things that causes anxiety in, in my mind is that my mind becomes fragmented or divided into different parts. In other words, I am no longer walking or living with a singular focus of mind. When anxiety comes, when panic comes, when stress comes, and these situations come up, it divides my mind. All right? And your mind begins to focus on other things. The Bible says this, that blessed is the man whose mind is stayed on the Lord. Listen, we're living in a culture today to where it is becoming more and more difficult to keep your mind focused on one thing. How many of you have ever been, uh, been or have ever said, I've got to do this today. And so you set out to do it. Uh, and, I, and I'll use, since my wife's not in here, I'll use her as an example. <laughs> but, which I, I do the same thing. But every morning, uh, my wife gets up, both of us get up, and we've got a certain certain drink that we uh, drink in the morning. And so every morning uh, I've watched her, she'll get up and, and she'll fix this drink and she'll set it on the counter and she'll be off doing something else, getting uh, Braley ready for school and, and all of that, getting things together and all of that. And it's, it'll be two hours later, that drink will still be on the counter. And I say, well, are you gonna drink this? I just forgot. I got sidetracked. We all get sidetracked. Amen? We all get distracted. We'll start, start out to do something. Something else pops. Somebody will say something, and, and I'm over there. That's what happens with anxiety. You can have your mind focused, and you can be going in a certain direction. And a situation pops up. Maybe something that's stressful. Something that, that causes you to worry. And when that happens, it detours you and you, get, you become distracted. Then your mind begins to focus on a problem over here. And you lose focus of the answer to your problem. Alright? So it means to divide in parts and it's suggestive of a distraction or preoccupation with things causing anxiety and pressure. Let me, t let me tell you this. The potential, 
the probability for anxiety in your life is going to be constant. All right. You say, well, Pastor, you're talking about breaking the stronghold of anxiety. Yeah, we are talking about that. But I'm telling you that you will never, you will never be able to live without having to deal with anxiety or pressure or stress. It's going to happen. As long as you're living, there are going to be things that's going to, you're going to face things that's going to cause stress. You're going to face things that's going to cause your blood pressure to rise. Amen? That's, that's a part of life. All right? But listen. Anxiety is, is going to be, the potential for it is going to be. Might not be every day. Might not be every other day. But at some point, I guarantee you that most of us that are in here tonight, at some point in this week, you've had something that's caused your heart rate to go up. All right? Or you felt something that, was, that had the potential to cause stress to come. All right? But just because the potential for stress and the potential for anxiety is always going to be, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have to allow that to be a prison in your life. You don't have to allow that to, to become your prison. You don't have to allow anxiety to define your life. And that's what I want to deal with tonight is, is, is not allowing any more anxiety to define who you are. I, I, can, I can name two right now that, that uh, are part of this church, young kids that, that when they first started coming, their parents came up and said, will you please pray for my child because they are, they are having major anxiety issues. It's running rampant in kids and children. Would you please pray for them, Pastor, because their anxiety is, is just, really, uh, just really giving them a problem. They won't leave my side uh, they they want to be right with me. They won't interact with other uh, kids because of all these things. And, and so we begin to pray. And I, I begin to watch. And God taught me something very valuable through those two experiences. I didn't go to them all the time and pray for them. But we, we, did, we just begin to pray. And we begin to pray, God, that you would do a work in their mind. God, that you would do a work in inside their mind. And, and so what I witnessed, and this is so important, guys, and I'm jumping ahead of myself. All right, might be cutting about 30 minutes off the message, so it might be good for you. All right. But what I witnessed was this. I saw a, a gradual progression in these kids. I watched them as they were withdrawn. I watched them as there was no smile on their face. And I watched them, and one of the things that I told the parents is this. I said, I'm not trying to get you to be a part of this church. But I'm telling you this. 
if you want to see God do a work in that child's life, you have got to find a place of worship and be there consistently. Just popping in here every once in a while is not going to do your child any good. You've got to find a place, a church, a family that you can connect with that will love you and love your children. And that's one of the keys that's going to help your child to overcome this anxiety struggle. They did that. And so I began to watch these children. And I began to watch a steady progression as they would come to church. All of a sudden, I began to see them interacting with other children. And I began to see them smiling. And then I began to see them and watch them in the gym as they were playing and having a good time. And, and it, just, it just kept progressing. What was happening there? What was happening? Well, positive interaction is always good for us. But you know what I think was happening? I think it was like taking a dry sponge and just setting it down in water and leaving it there. And it just soaks that water up. And I watched that soaking effect take place in those kids. And now, you wouldn't even know that they had ever dealt with anxiety issues. And so one of the keys to, to, to being able to overcome and break the stronghold of anxiety in your life is this. You need to check out the environment that you're in. All right? Your environment plays a, a huge role in what goes on in your mind. All right? My mom and dad used to tell me, so they would say, son, if you play in the trash, you're going to smell like trash. But I understood later that if you hang around a garbage dump, you will also smell like trash. A garbage dump. So what are you saying, Pastor? Are you calling us garbage? No. I'm saying that the atmosphere that you put yourself in has much to, to, to determine what you think in your mind and how you react to things. Listen, surround yourself with people that are going to tell you that God's got a plan for your life. And I'm getting off of my thing here, but, but I just got to say this. Hang around with people that are going to pour positive things into your life. Hang around people. Listen, you don't need to hang around a bunch of folks that's always going to say yes to everything you say and do. You need to hang around somebody that will look at you and say, hey, you need to rise up and walk in faith. Or what, what kind of prayer life do you have? How many times have you read your Bible this week? You need people like that in your life because they're going to bring a positive influence. All right? So, even though the potential for anxiety, worry, and stress, is, we're going to face it on a consistent basis. That doesn't mean that we have to allow that to become a prison for us. 
You don't have to live in that prison anymore. You don't have to live struggling and fearful and worried about tomorrow anymore. And I'm going to give you some, some things I believe that's going to help you. So remember a while ago when we, when we defined the word worry and we said that it is a, uh, 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 what did I say? It's what? Dividing into parts. Your mind is being divided into parts. Thank you so much. Got some that's listening up here, okay? But that's what, that's what anxiety does, is it divides your mind into part. In other words, it splits your devotion. It splits your attention. It splits your focus. So take your Bible and turn with me, please, to the book of James. James chapter 1, and I want us to look at uh, James chapter 1 and verse 2. James chapter 1 and verse 2. Everybody got it? Say amen. <clears throat> amen. All right. So James chapter 1 and verse 2. Count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. I think King James Version says, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Notice this. Listen, all of us are three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. The body is what you see on the outside. The soul is made up of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your spirit is that that God connects with. All right? So with, with your soul being your mind, your will, and emotions... Your mind becomes the, the single most or the single greatest battlefield of your life. Every battle and every attack that the enemy throws at you, he throws it at you in your mind. Every, every action that you perform happened right here first. Every attitude that you develop started right here in your mind. 
Every decision that you make is a result of passing through your mind. Listen, your mind, ladies and gentlemen, is the battlefield that the enemy is always coming and trying to penetrate your mind. And, and sometimes, no matter how hard you try, you can't stop the junk that comes through your mind. Probably if I was to ask you right now, since you sat down on that padded chair, you've had a thought in your mind that, that if we were to put it up here on this screen, well, I tell you what, let's do that. Let's, let's just pick somebody and put your thoughts up there. I know somebody said, can he do that? But it's, it's your mind. Listen, these things are going to come into your mind many times. Now, and I want to go ahead and say this, that when we, when we learn and become disciplined, that, that we saturate our mind with the Word of God, we'll have a lot less problem with things coming into our mind that we don't need. All right? But I mean, we're living in such a sinful culture that we're seeing things, we're hearing things, and all that stuff is feeding into our mind. And it, it becomes that battlefield, this war that is going on in our mind. And so as a result, that battlefield in our mind is a place where we're constantly having to guard what we allow to stay in our mind. All right? A lot of things come through my mind, but it's up to me whether or not I let that thought build a house in my mind. All right? There's a lot of things that come through my mind that I just send it packing right on out. All right? So look at what James said he said, guys, count it all joy when, when you meet trials of various kinds. In other words, what he was saying was, you're going to face trials and struggles, and they're going to come in different ways. They're going to come in, in different forms. They're going to come in different fashions. They're going to come in different colors. There's, all, there's trials are going to come. He said, but listen to this. He said, count it all joy. In other words, Right off the bat, what James is saying is don't let these trials begin to control your mind. Don't let the struggle that you're facing begin to control your mind. It's like, listen, worry and stress is like a snowball. That you roll it on the ground and the more you roll it, the bigger it gets. You start out, I got this pain in my finger, and I don't know why it's been hurting. And then all of a sudden, I have a pain in my elbow, and, and, and it just gets bigger and bigger. And then, before you know it, 
Uh, I've, I've got this headache. It's got to be something bigger that's going on. And so your word now, it started out with your little finger and then it went to your elbow. And now I got this headache. Uh, I, I think my blood pressure is, is, is up too high. And, and then you start worrying about your blood pressure. And all of a sudden you get this pain in your stomach. And you say, oh my goodness, it's got to be something going on with my heart. You see, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Well, it's probably if you'd quit eating that pizza or something like that, it'd make you feel a lot better. But that's how stress and stuff were. But James said, count it all joy when, when you meet trials of various kinds. He said, listen, we've got to flip the script on the enemy. The enemy throws trials at you whether it's from your past or whether it's your present or whether it's something to do with your future, the enemy will throw trials at you and his intent and his goal is to destroy you with those trials. He'll tell you that, that God doesn't love you and that nobody else loves you at church. You are wasting your time by going to church. Why does he do that? Because, first of all, you going to church is a threat to him. Secondly, if he can get you to stop going to church, he will pull you to the side. And how many of you know that he will get you to the side by yourself and then he will really begin to work on your mind? Eventually getting you out of church. All right? But let me tell you this. Here's the thing about understanding the, the need to flip the script on the devil is that when the enemy throws something at you, if you will begin to count it all joy, you say, Pastor, you don't know what I'm dealing with. I don't. But listen, you don't know what I'm dealing with and, and the reason that, that this message is speaking to me. All right? I'm not telling you to do something that I don't have to do. But you flip that script and you say, look, yes, I got this trial coming at me. And yes, man, I got, I got a whole truckload of problems and, and things that are causing me to stress and to worry and things that I can't control and all of that. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to flip this thing over. And, and instead of worrying about it, I'm going to just say, well, I've got the joy of the Lord in this. I'm going to just begin to walk around my house and lift up my hands and say, Father, I don't understand all this, but I'm just going to walk in joy. I'm just going to believe that and, and because I know who you are and I know that you're a faithful, loving Father, so I'm just going to begin to worship. You see, what I'm doing is, is, is what the devil tried to divide my mind and get my focus off of Jesus and get my focus on the trial and to get me to worry and stress out. What I've just done is I've brought it back into center focus and I said I'm not getting my mind off on that. I'm going to focus on the one who is able to walk with me through the trial. I'm not going to preach. I'm just, just telling you, okay? But listen, he said, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And listen, understand this, that God never puts you in a position to say, I just want to see how strong you are. 
Every trial that you face, God wants to take that trial and produce something positive in your life. God wants to take that struggle and make it a stepping stone for his glory. All right? So, And, and James said, if you let steadfastness have its full effect, he said it will produce a complete perfection where you will lack in nothing. But then he, then he says, if you lack wisdom, ask God who gives generously to all uh, without reproach, but let him ask in faith, not doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For that person must not, must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man. Listen, if the enemy can ever divide your mind, he will divide your allegiance. And if he divides your allegiance... He will produce anxiety, stress, and worry in your life. Can I tell you something about anxiety? Anxiety and worry are very, very possessive. And they are very jealous. And the reason I say that is that if if worry and anxiety is in your mind and you begin to rejoice in the Lord, worry and stress will have to leave out the door because the two can't go side by side. All right? All right. So <clears throat> let's look at another passage of Scripture in First Peter chapter 5, beginning with verse 5. So... We understand the process of anxiety. The process of anxiety is that it divides our mind, gets our mind off of the things of God and focused on things of the world, thus producing anxiety and stress. So I want to talk to you for just the next few minutes on how do you, how do, you do this? How do you... How do you deal with it? Pastor, what you said was, was awesome, man. Probably the best message I've ever heard. And it's, it's really good. You're such a great pastor. Amen. No. But, but I need to know how to apply this. I need to know. I want to know how to walk in this. I want to know how to walk it out. How do I apply it to tomorrow? Man, I'm feeling good right now sitting in here. And, and I feel like I could... Uh, uh, leap over a wall and run through a troop and all that and I, and I feel strong but what about tomorrow when, when nobody is around when, when tomorrow when I'm facing these problems and these issues how do I deal with it then alright so, so let's look at that in 1 Peter chapter 5 in verse 5 uh, and I'm just kind of picking up the middle of that verse 5 but God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble 
God opposes the proud, and he gives grace to the humble. Let me tell you something about your mind. When you begin to allow your mind to become divided on the things of God, and you begin to focus on the problem more than you're focusing on the answer, you know what, you know what you're literally saying? You're literally saying, I am able to deal with this problem, and I, and I don't need God to help me. You're not saying that with your mouth. You're not shaking your fist in the face of God and all of that. But your actions are saying, God, I can handle this. I'm not going to release this to you. I'll take care of this. All right? But notice this. And, and, and really, you have to be careful because it is a spirit of pride that says, I'm too proud to bow my knee to God and say, this is my problem. Now, I know nobody in here has trouble with pride. But I do. All right. Every once in a while, that old pride will want to rise up. When the wife looks at me and says, you're wrong. That old pride wants to rise up and say, and we won't go there. But notice what the Bible says here, that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And that word grace is simply divine influence. Wow. In other words, if you want the blessing of God in your life, walk in humility. <clears throat> Guard yourself from having a prideful spirit. Because God will give you divine influence. In, in, in other words, the Spirit of God will begin to influence every area and every aspect of your life. I'm talking about the anointing and the grace of God will begin to permeate and penetrate every area of your life. And as you begin to do this on a constant basis, you'll begin to do it and not even have to think about it. Remember what James said, I'm counting all joy that I'm walking through this trial. I'm not going to let this trial get me down and get me depressed. But I'm going to stay humble before God. And I'm just believing and thanking God that his divine influence is working and operating in my life. All right. And in verse 6 of 1 Peter chapter 5. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Now look at verse 7. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all your worries on him. Because he cares for you. 
Let's read on down. Verse 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Verse 9. Resist him. Firm in your faith. Resist him firm in your faith. What is that saying? It is literally saying that when the enemy is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, and he comes your way, you say, hold up, buddy. Not today. But I'm not resisting you because my name is Cornelius Phillips. I'm not resisting you because I'm this tall and this heavy and, and all of that. But I'm resisting you because the word of God says that I have power over you. And therefore I stand in my faith believing that you have no authority and no power to come against me. Listen, you can't think good thoughts and run the devil off. I've had people saying, well, I'm thinking good thoughts for you, and I'm glad you are. But I need somebody that will stand in the face of hell and say in the name of Jesus, the devil's got to go. Listen, you can think a lot of things all day long, but until the word of God begins to come out of your mouth and you look hell in the face and say, look, you are not going to rob me. You are not going to imprison me with stress and worry. And greater than that, you're not going to imprison my children with stress and worry because I'm going to stand against you by faith in the name of Jesus. And I'm going to declare that the blood of Jesus stands against you. And I'm going to declare that the authority of heaven and earth is on my side. So you've got to go. You see, you resist, you resist him in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And listen to this now. This is, this is so key. And we'll go back over this in just a minute. Verse 10 says, and after you have suffered a little while, I should have noticed that, because that, that tells me that sometimes God's not going to fix this like that. Sometimes I'm going to have to walk this thing out. And guys, oh, I wish I had a, 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 another hour to stay right here. Because we're not good at walking things out. All right? We're this microwave generation. Pop it in, 30 seconds, it's done. And we eat it. All right? So we're not good at walking things out. And, and, for, and for some reason, we develop this idea that God is supposed to do it right now. How many times have, have you seen people that would pray for healing and because God didn't heal them immediately, then they walk off and say, but God didn't hear me. When God is saying, I heard you. I heard you. 
and I responded to your prayer. But I want you to walk this thing out because in your walking it out, I'm doing a work in your life. What caused you to get to the place that you are when you came and asked me to heal, God said, by letting you walk some things out, I'm teaching you not to come back there anymore. So, so you see, it's in the walking out that I am saying, God, I am trusting you and I'm believing you. All right? So after you've suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself, listen to this, this is so awesome, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. All right, listen to this, and, and I'm, I'm trying to close. Go back up to verse 7, and it says, Casting some of my cares on him. No, it says, Casting all of my cares. I wish that was easy, but it's not easy. But it comes from discipline. You discipline yourself to cast your cares on him. And longevity, longevity as a believer helps you do that. Because you remember where he brought you from. You always got, you always got something back here that you can look back and say, God, if it had not been for you on my side... I wouldn't be here today. God, if it hadn't been for you touching my life, I wouldn't be here today. God, if you hadn't have kept me and sustained me in the middle of that mess, I wouldn't be here today. So God, because you do, did that, then I know you'll do this now. Amen. So it's always good to have something to look back and say, God, thank you for what you did. Amen. I'm having trouble landing this plane, guys, but we're going to get there, okay? So casting, casting my cares on him. In other words, I'm giving him my problems, and I'm giving him my cares. I'm, I'm rolling them over. What the enemy meant for my destruction, I'm rolling them over and saying, God, I'm, I'm giving this to you. It's bigger than me. I'm not going to worry about it. All right? And as a result of doing that, he said this. He said, Christ himself will restore you. And that's in verse 10 of 1 Peter chapter 5. He will restore you. What, is, what does he mean there? He'll restore. In other words, he will repair the brokenness. He will repair the brokenness. He will restore you. And then he said, he will confirm you. In other words, he will 
man, this is so good. He will stabilize your mind. This is not my opinion. This is what the Word of God says. And I'm telling you, if you understand this and go when you go home tonight, read it. I'll send you this if you need it. But listen, if you understand the power of God's Word, it will redirect your thinking and redirect your thoughts. He said, he will confirm you. In other words, he will bring you back to right thinking. Make you perfect. That's it. What's he talking about? He's talking about your mind. He's talking about your mind. Remember he said, casting all your cares on him. Casting all your anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for you. And so he will restore you and he will confirm you. And then the third one is he will establish you. Or, I'm sorry, third one is strengthen you. And establish you. And those words, strengthen and establish, are brother and sister. But what he's talking about is that, that not only will he repair your brokenness, and not only will he stabilize your mind, bring your mind back to a place of, of perfection in him, but he said not only will he do that, but when he said he will strengthen you and establish you, is that he will reestablish the foundation of your life, the foundation of your mind. And those words are used, and they describe laying a foundation. That's pretty cool there. That's right. It's simply believing the Word of God. And listen, I, I enjoy listening to good preaching. I enjoy listening to good teaching. And, and there, it, it's good. I, I enjoy those things. <clears throat> but I find that there are times in my life to where I need to go farther than what somebody else is saying. <clears throat> there are times in my life when I need to hear something different than what the teacher is teaching. And it's in those times that I've discovered by making time for Jesus, whether it's early in the morning or whenever. I'm an early morning person. If I don't get it in early in the morning, usually it don't happen during the day. So I, I try to get up and, and spend some time with Jesus early in the morning. And I want to tell you something, that there are times that I have my, my little office, and I've told you before, my little office is about an eight by eight uh, cubicle in my uh, shed. And there are times when I drag my lazy bones out of the bed 
and I'm, I'm staggering into the kitchen and, and get me some water or something, and I drag myself down the hill and, and walk in my office, and man, I just I, there's a hundred different places that I would rather be. But I know that I've got to press through some things. And so I get in my office and I fall in my chair and I begin to pray. And I just begin to, to ask God to move and to touch. And before I know it, I'm standing there and the joy of the Lord is all over me. And two or three hours later, I'm having to make myself get up and go back to the house. You see... There's a time that you've got to give God and that place that you get with him. And, and listen, it, after you do that consistently for a little bit, you just really get upset with people if they interfere in that time. All right? You won't get mad at them and you won't sin or nothing like that. But you just really get upset with them if they interfere with that time. All right? Amen. Listen, I've got some more, but I'm going to hold up right there. So I want you to get this. Stay humble before God. Because when you're humble before God, God's divine influence can work in your life. And as you do that, as you humble yourself, then you throw those worries and those stresses over and say, Lord Jesus, these are bigger than me. And so you cast those cares on him with the confession that you care for me, that you love me. And guard your mind. Be sober-minded. And I didn't even touch on that, be sober-minded. But be sober-minded and watchful. Be aware of the tactics of the enemy that will come to distract you and, and divide your mind. All right? And then, resist it. Resist it. One of the ways that, that I, I fight a lot of times spiritual warfare is, is I'll just get my Bible and open my Bible up to, to Psalms. It's, 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 a, it's a, a great book. Just open it up to the book of Psalms and just, just begin to walk, walk the floor. And just quote and read the book of Psalms. Quote God's word. Just praise and worship. And he said, he said, resist him firm in your faith. And know this. And just begin to confess this over your mind. God, thank you that you're going to restore me. Thank you that you're going to confirm me. You're going to bring stability back to me. Thank you that you're going to strengthen and establish me. To you be all the glory and the dominion forever. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen.